Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What did you do today, Will? I went grocery shopping this morning. How was um, that? It was amazing. Oh, great. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it went, like, relatively smoothly. I called my grandpa. How's grandpa? He's doing really well. What year is it? 2020? He is 103 years old. Wow. I know. Um, he has he seen some like, shit. Oh, absolutely. And he called me, um, or I called him, and he was like, yeah, you're living in Brooklyn. Like, I worry about you if you ever need money. And I'm like, oh, I love this man. And then I also did yoga with my mom and then took care of some, like, administrative stuff that I had to do. What a wholesome Saturday. It was a very wholesome Saturday. Did you get any of that sunshine? I did. It was really, really nice. It was, like, so fucking lovely. Yeah. Hell yeah. Finally, after, like, two months of 40-degree rain. Yeah. And wind. (laughs) Just unending. Forever. Well, what did you get at the grocery store? Good question. The only question, really. I did not purchase any meat at the grocery store. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about how I'm actually like really terrified of cooking meat because... So you're just eating it, it raw? Yeah, I'm, I'm just eating like a lot of prosciutto just all the time. Sounds I good. <laughs> am scared of cooking meat because it feels like such a valuable resource. It, it feels like a, like a large amount of something that can go wrong very easily in a way that like vegetables don't. I see that you feel this sincerely, but I'm here to tell you that there are a lot of ways to prepare meat without fucking it up. You're absolutely right. You just need a little guidance. Yeah, and a a little gusto, a little bit of confidence in the meat department. Well, we will help you with your meat confidence. (laughs) (laughs) The best kind of confidence is meat confidence. I'm going to facilitate and get things started for the things that all these lovely people are tuning in for. Hello, everyone. Amazing. Amazing. So we're going to do a wire people into that live. We were going to do it. Speaking of meat, we were going to do it in meat space this month. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But meat space is on, is in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only meat space anymore. So like hanging on a hook. So we are going to do this on the IG and we were talking about it and we were talking about have people been asking you for like to like comment and quote on like sexuality during the covid crisis during quarantine like is this is this something that you're getting a lot of like media requests and engagement for i am not i think I can see how people would be asking you about it, though. I mean, people have been asking me, and I have this weird aversion. I mean, I've been, I've been doing some. I'm having this weird, like, too soon. Like, this feels so precious. Like, we're in 
the middle of this, why are we trying to analyze it from the inside? But I've been trying to do my best to respond and feeling like I'm not being very creative. And then I had a revelation last week that the reason that I'm not inspiring myself with my responses is that mm-hmm. I have been, you know, dealing with the shock and the grief and the adjustment and, and everything like that, um, all of those hard emotions. And I haven't really had the space to, uh, or haven't made myself the space to do the thing that makes me feel better about all anxiety provoking things, which is like how to make a sex game out of it. And like, yeah, definitely. How, how, how do, how do, we, how do we gamify it? How do we eroticize it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And how do, how do we lean into the darkness? How do we lean into the fear? How do we lean into all the things that are hard about it and like embrace the shadow side uh, yes. of this situation? So, and, and when I think about embracing the shadow side, mm-hmm. I think about Empress Wu. <laughs> that means so much to me. Also, it, it means a lot. It says a lot about my relationship with you that both of our instincts to process something is like, how do we make a sex game about it? That That's a language. That's a love language that like, I'm very fluent in. So yes. <laughs> I'm really excited for this. Hell yes. Okay. So let's dive in. Another thing that I want to do is something that I've always thought about doing with wire people into that that I never get around to, which is kind of gamifying it a little bit. I am mm-hmm. like not, I don't have like a game brain. So I always like sort of think maybe people would be entertained if there were like time limits and stakes. So uh, let's see how this works today. What I decided on for the format that could be fun to set like a one minute timer. And I thought that we could do a little bit of a, of a lightning round where we bring up a topic yeah. and then give each other a minute to comment on it and just sort of say whatever comes into our noggins. Okay. Do you want to get started? I am so ready to get started. Okay, Groovy. I have so many screens open in my house. <laughs> yeah. so, many, so many devices, everything that money can buy. I commented on something yesterday that was like, being bisexual is just switching my AirPods from my computer to my phone over and over and over again. <laughs> I love it. And as people are joining, if you have a topic that you want us to to uh, do a wire people into that about, um, uh, feel free to pipe up. I'm gonna, as I said, I'm like managing a bunch of different devices here, including recording this uh, for posterity for the podcast. Um, but I'll try to um, to pay attention to this feed as well. Um, okay, so woo, I am gonna uh, get you started with the most to me, the most obvious COVID-related fetish and how to, how to eroticize it uh, and what it makes you think of and why are people into that? And that is masks. So why are people into masks? And by masks, I mean the thing that you put on your face, not like masculine people. Um, mm-hmm. That is another why are people into that yes. um, that we'll try to figure out <laughs> someday. <laughs> um, and, um, and why are people into masks? Your one minute starts now. Okay. So I have looked at images of myself wearing a mask, especially a like either surgical mask or the mask that I have is like a black sponge mask with two filters right here. And I think that it's super hot because it reminds me of like putting on like a gas mask, right? It looks like a piece of machinery that I'm like hooked up into and that I like conceals my identity. And of course, like this can either be like unilateral so me being the only person whose identity is concealed and i can see everybody else like a one-sided um 
one-sided window. Mm. Is that what it's called? Or mirror, um, yeah. Yeah, one-sided mirror. Um, oh, like or... an interrogation room. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. Go exactly. ahead. Exactly. No, but you're See, absolutely I'm bad right. at games. Like it... <laughs> um, <laughs> rules are meant to be broken. Or like a one-sided mirror, or it's like a situation where everybody's identity is like, is totally obscured. So it heightens like the stranger aspect. You know what I mean? Like um, whoever it is that you're engaging with, you don't actually know who they are. And there's something really hot about that like sense of anonymity. That was beautiful and amazing. I also like the idea of the difference in what it means to wear a mask when other people's faces are being shown versus Mm -hmm. like if everybody's wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting power to play. It it definitely like levels the playing field in a very specific way. If everyone's wearing a mask, Mm -hmm. do you feel like being the person with the mask gives you more power? Or do you feel like there's a way that being the person with the mask could be the person who is more submissive i think that it can go in either direction like i think that it's like like everything like i think that you could wear a mask and have it be you don't know who i am so i have like a little bit of power in that in that way yeah um it can also be a situation in which um the person who puts on the mask is putting it on for their dominant as in like a mode of like dehumanizing them totally it's like identity obliteration like if you're wearing the mask it doesn't matter your your identity and the thing that makes you you doesn't matter. All that matters is how useful you are to me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Allison um, asked about medical fetishes, so I am gonna um, assign myself that one, and I'm gonna set the timer, wire people into medical fetishes, and my minute starts <laughs> now. So this is such a broad topic, but I think that what comes up for me with medical fetishes in relation to our current crisis is the sort of the 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 synthetic inorganic part of medical fetishism and and how much we are inter interacting right now with like covering our skin in gloves and masks and things that that don't breathe right for uh mm-hmm. uh in order to in order to shield ourselves and to to protect ourselves to protect mm-hmm. others and also just like the fucking smell of maticide and the smell of of other disinfectants and the and the way that it uh kind of invokes uh it it invokes it invokes chemicals which to me are actually like really scary i don't i don't i'm not that into medical fetishism in general um but i Mm -hmm. but i understand the appeal and there there it is there's that was a minute can i add you can add whatever you want because nobody loves going to the doctor you know what i mean like you were you were only going to go to the doctor does nobody love going to the doctor (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that nobody loves going to the doctor and medical fetishism is a way to like enjoy going to the doctor. Like one of the few experiences totally. in which somebody can enjoy going to the to the doctor or the dentist. I think that there's something about it that like is about how our bodies automatically um, internalize a kind of like somatic response and experience as and especially when you're going to the doctor that it, somatic response and experience is going to be like a traumatic one, right? Because you're probably only going to be going to the doctor to make sure that you're either okay or because something is like wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's like, either or preventative something. or yeah. yeah, yeah, 
And, and either way, of course, you're making yourself really vulnerable to this person who has exactly. access to your body that transgresses the normal like social contracts of like who you allow to touch your body in intimate ways. Like this is Rachel is commenting about a friend who likes going to the dentist, which of course makes me think of the Steve Martin scene in uh, the Steve Martin Bill Murray scene in Little Shop of Horrors. The mm. idea of of somebody like putting their gloved hands in your mouth is sometimes we enjoy doing that consensually and erotically. And yeah. if somebody is doing that to you, somebody who is a stranger that you're not necessarily attracted to, that you don't have that kind of intimacy with, but they're doing it in order to like assess you or diagnose you or care or for you, you or okay. totally. I am going to ask you to go next and okay. the Gender and Sexuality Therapy Center has asked about public spaces, which is definitely on our list. And I, I really like this question. Why are people into fucking in public spaces, particularly now when those spaces are empty? So I'm going to ask you, why are people into exhibitionism slash public sex? And with the specific scenario of why are people particularly into having sex in public spaces right now when public spaces are spaces that we are not even supposed to be, let alone yeah. not supposed to be yes. fucking in. So yes. why are people into fucking in public? One minute your time starts now. Okay. Well, first of all, I have a theory that there's no such thing as public space. Oh, um, everything that we think is public space is actually like, I mean, there's public space, but let's, it's extremely highly regulated. Um, and so a lot of the ways in which people think about public space is actually like not as free as people previously thought. And I think that this quarantine and like the current pandemic and the outbreak is um, making that extremely clear, right? That public spaces are actually places that are extremely regulated, that are extremely striated, and that um, people don't actually have the mobility to move around as much as they thought that they did. But public spaces are super sexy um, and fucking in public is super sexy because like there is the possibility of, as we all know, getting caught, right? There's something very forbidden about it. And I think before that used to be like, in general, that was something forbidden. Um, in addition to everything that we were talking about before about fucking a stranger, there is like an, an element of fucking that is forbidden. And now that's like heightened to the 10th degree or to the nth degree where being like having any kind of contact that um, I guess like penetrates this like six foot range is now illicit. It's dirty. And like in the eyes of the government, it's like, oh, you are at risk of infecting someone. And so that kind of involves like a certain amount of like vulnerability and exposure to a kind of contact and trust. Okay, your time is up. See, this is okay. We're gonna we're gonna keep this up, but I'm I'm so like no, I want to talk about this more. But <laughs> lightning round, lightning round. Yeah, I I love. Well, first of all, I love. Of course, I love what you said about like penetrating that six foot barrier, and I'm like mm -hmm. sort of imagining like we have this these like extended bodies, like our, our hula hoops, uh, mm -hmm. like six feet A in every direction. Space. That it, there's this new taboo of what it means to to transgress someone's personal space or to like step over into someone's mm -hmm. personal space to trespass to trespass well i mean but what if you're invited into someone's personal space right. yeah i mean that was something that came up for me when i started to think about how like 
you know, a lot of people want to talk about like, oh, how, how, how are we dealing with intimacy when we're sharing all these close spaces? How are we dealing with intimacy mediated by, you know, the device that is uh, mediating our intimacy right now and everybody mm-hmm. in this room? But yeah, wh- when I started to think about it, I was like, oh, the chance to eroticize this moment has so much potential because all of a sudden... Because there's so many restrictions, and like you mentioned, a lot of the restrictions are are coming from the government, and obviously there are parts of the government that some of us don't trust or respect, and then there are parts of the government that, you know, like the CDC, for example, that were like... Mm -hmm. Uh, what you are recommending is something that is probably going to be good for our bodies and good for society right now. But that also means that there are all of these restrictions and that means that there's things that we're not supposed to do. And anytime there's something that you're not supposed to do, that makes you want it. Like I just have to get learning about it. And all of a sudden, like public sex has always been taboo because like you were saying, public space is made up or imaginary, but like the difference between like public and private is a very important dynamic in terms of like sexual permissiveness, like what is allowed and um, encouraged and Mm -hmm. like approved of by society. But all of a sudden it's like taboo to walk down the fucking block, right? Absolutely. Like it's taboo. everything feels tainted. Am I even allowed to like, even things that are like not human right it's it's not even like fucking people it's just the space itself has like a general aura and atmosphere of we are swimming in something that is illegal and illicit and i feel like i'm not allowed to like make contact with even like surfaces and objects or nature like i don't know if i can like take flowers home because i don't know if that's like if if somebody had like touched it prior and i don't know like what what contact had been made previously. Yeah, absolutely. Like the entire public space is a, like something that you're inside of that you're not supposed to be inside of. Yeah. Choose a topic for me, woo. Tina Horn. Why are people into size play? Oh, this is fun. Okay. So you put size play on the list and I like that you also use the term nano objects. And I don't know that I'm not that experienced with size play. What comes to mind is like giantess fetishism where somebody wants to, you know, um, uh, imagine that someone is um, so much bigger than them that they could, uh, that they could consume them, that, that, that their body could, that someone else's body could like completely like engulf you. And mm-hmm. I think that the fact that this thing that is affecting our lives so profoundly right now is like microscopic and like imperceptible to our naked senses, but is a Mm -hmm. true scary threat. And also something that is like changing everything about how we live our lives. Like the, the fear of this tiny thing. um, Okay. That's a minute, but I'll, I'll finish my thought. Like this fear of this tiny thing that we can't see. And I think that we also are used to the idea. Um, maybe this, is a very American notion that like that if you're bigger than something that you could just squash it right and there's a lot of a tendency to like personify this virus really any virus absolutely and to say like it's a bug and when you think of a bug you're like okay well bugs are vermin and they're gross but like I'm bigger than a bug so I can squish it like I can like grind it under my heel Mm -hmm. we can't grind coronavirus under our heel and Mm. so that like lack of control 
to fight something that is both invisible and also like so tiny. Anytime, anytime something like does not compute or kind of like makes our wires crossed or like also threatens our idea of like, like where our power and control comes from is right. always an opportunity for erotics. I would agree. We have a tendency to like think about it, think about size and like such a food chain. Mm -hmm. Like a hierarchy. You know, like that, yeah, hierarchy of scale, right? And then something that comes in and is able to like penetrate and disable um, or is able to like completely disrupt um, our normal daily function and we can't even see it. It feels very insidious and very terrifying. And because it's terrifying, then that means it's also horny. Hot. That's my rule. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's that's just that that those we don't make the rules. Those are just the yeah. rules. <laughs> do you wanna do why are people into VR? Yes, I okay. would love to do Why Are People Into VR. Why Are People Into Virtual Reality? One minute starts now. I personally am into virtual reality because it allows me to experience so many different opportunities and so many different realities um, that would not be possible, not only because I don't have the financial means, because I was born in the wrong time period, because those things cannot physically exist, I think that it's super hot. I was talking to Sybil about how like virtual reality and like technosexuality and like cyborgian eroticism are all kind of like enmeshed together for me in this like larger concept of the intersection of tech and sex. I think that it's a super hot way for you to like connect with somebody. And if you're thinking about like early internet chat rooms, there's something that's like really erotic about that. Like there being like an anonymity in a public space that isn't mm. yet taken over by the state and isn't yet regulated. Um, kind of like the Wild West. Well, you made, you, you touched on something really important, which is that for many years now, the internet has been becoming what public space is for humanity, right? Yes. And now the internet is both a stand-in for other forms of public spaces. Like I'm thinking about the virtual dance parties that are happening on this very platform and other, yes. other platforms and the virtual conferences and the virtual, uh, you know, it's certainly the virtual dates and the virtual sex and, you know, all, all different kinds of ways that it, it, people are, you know, working virtually and having dinner together virtually. Taking baths together virtually. Taking baths together virtually. I love that. Um, my follow-up question for this one for you, because I think it's very relevant to our moment right now, is what do you think we lose and what do you think we gain when we have the tool available to us of creating erotic spaces using technology? There, there are two options to that, right? I can talk about that as like, what do you think we lose and gain completely outside of the context of coronavirus and then there's also like coronavirus in which we've been like forced to primarily be having like these kinds of interactions online right because the a theme that we're going to come back to again and again is like how does our relationship to desire and our own bodies and other people's bodies and stimulation and pleasure and comfort and novelty and intimacy and love and gender and power change when there is a global restriction placed right. on us. I mean, it's it's a form of 
bondage, right? It's, it is. It's state Ortiz bondage. and denial. And I don't, I, you know, I, I think it's very important to, like, we are not, we are, you and I are not incarcerated right now. Like, Correct. Uh, in many, many, many ways, our homes are not prisons. And n- not only because we can leave them under certain circumstances, but also mm-hmm. because we have many things in our homes that uh, many incarcerated people in this country and in this world don't have. But it is a form of bondage for institutions to tell us that we have to restrict our relationship to public and private in certain ways, which then puts us in a position to use technology in a way that's not like, well, I could go meet up with this person or I could stay home and have and and sex with them or like like I could go sit on this person's dick or we could masturbate together on a video chat and I'm going <laughs> to choose one or the other. It's like you could still go sit on someone's dick, but there's a different risk or assessment that you're making. Anyway. Absolutely. Like, yeah, the level things of are, risk shit's is totally different, different right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And it changes our relationship to what turns us on? I think that there is like a very clear advantage of when we use technology to be able to like create, like when we create erotic spaces online and create like areas of cruising online and like opportunities for contact online, there is the opportunity for us to be connecting to such a, like a much wider variety of people, including people that may feel a little bit more like ourselves. So I do think that that is like a clear benefit. On the other hand, I do think that there is a certain amount of like lack of embodied experience that is lost. And and honestly, that could even be it's like a big it's a big loss for me. Like the even, Yeah, like, it could be a benefit for some people totally who, who like don't feel comfortable in in their own body. That's I think one of the reasons why VR is really cool, but it can also be a loss. So what do we lose? I think that we lose like a certain type of communication. There is a kind of communication that happens when you are physical with somebody and like when you physically interact with them and that information gets stored in a really specific way um, and it's not encoded in in like a written language um, and it cannot be encoded in a written language. And I think that that is something like that, that like pathway of knowledge is something that is lost um, when we have virtual sex or not lost, but it's just not available in the same way that it is like when we have IRL contact. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's been on my mind a lot is that I am not a visual person. Uh, I was just talking to my friend about this, that like, I am like very language-based person as everyone who knows me knows. And when it comes to sex, the main things that I lust after and the main things that I that I that I long for and the main things that I'm enjoying are sensory experiences that we don't have virtual I don't want to say substitutes for because it doesn't uh, substitute I don't think is the right word because the way that I'm seeing you right now is not like we don't have virtual vehicles for those types of experiences vehicles is a good word yeah or um or, or tools yeah. like facilitation tools, right? So like if we were like having like a bath date, I like wouldn't be able to smell like what oils you were using and I wouldn't be able to feel the heat. And like 
you know, that might be good if like you want a lavender bath and I want a eucalyptus bath. Yeah. <laughs> or like if I like I need like a like a scalding hot like lobster pink skin mm-hmm. bath and shower and hot tub like and so, you know, maybe taking baths together virtually would be good. Like if, yeah. if, you're, if you're not compatible in terms of those like sensory experiences. Well, I'm looking forward to Smell-O-Vision. Me too. But can you imagine like Zoom meetings with Smell-O-Vision and then a fucking like Zoom troll comes on the meeting and it's just like, here's what my farts smell like. And he just farts into the Smell-O-Vision machine. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Although if I was like separated from someone who I um intimate with and I could hang out with them and smell their farts it would make me feel so close to them that's true too I think it just depends on whose hands it's in yeah, that's that's right that's right but that's true about that's <laughs> true ass. about visuals too and the aural senses as well yeah taste would be good too but also like would it taste would smell and ta- you know I mean this is just like it's so interesting to think about like virtual reality like there's so much focus on like the visual and the auditory element of virtual reality. And then everything that ha- that has to do with like the experience. Like when I interviewed um, Ella Darling, um, we did a whole Wired People Into Virtual Reality episode several years ago. She talked about like the idea of like presence. Like a lot of that has to do with why like sometimes um, like VR like makes you nauseous, right? Mm. It's like, it's like motion sickness. Totally. One of my yeah. quarantine rewatches was the Cronenberg movie, The Fly. This is very relevant to your interest. I think you tweeted at me. I did. I did. I did <laughs> at you. Um, there's a part of The Fly where, so Jeff Goldblum is a, is a scientist who is developing technology to transfer matter and he transfers a stake and then has Gina Davis, who is his like, uh, you know, the journalist covering his brilliant discovery and also sleeping with him because it's a movie. Love it. Uh, and she like eats the steak and is like, ooh, there's like something off about this it tastes synthetic and Mm. then he realizes that like he hasn't taught the machine to understand the like poetry of the flesh and to be like made crazy by the flesh oh my god and i feel like i will get into virtual reality when our devices know how to like recreate that feeling of like being made crazy by someone else yeah being flesh insane Absolutely. But it is really interesting to me that, like, to look at the steak, the steak mm-hmm. looks the same. Like a steak, yeah. But but it's only when she tastes it that she realizes that it, it, it doesn't have the poetry, that the machine doesn't understand the poetry. That is so fascinating. I wonder when that does become a possibility, how that will take shape. Like, what is that going to look like? I am fascinated by what it would look like when we do get, like, smell-o-vision or virtual taste, when we can like transmit those experiences via technology to somebody else, what is that going to be like? And how, if it is possible, can they also convey memory? Virtual reality, like, like, like recreating people's memories? Yeah, or like recreating like an embodied experience of memory. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe you should develop that. I think I should. (laughs) (laughs) I'll credit you. It's your turn, and I'm going to ask you one that I've been, like, waiting to ask you all day since you texted it to me last night or this morning. Oh, my God. Ms. Dina Horn, why are people into bug chasing? Okay, cool. 
So how can I talk about this in a minute? Bug chasing for people who don't know um, is when people, is, is an existing phenomenon where people eroticize transmitting HIV. But basically the idea is that this virus is a way that, that knowingly giving someone this potentially fatal virus that was a minute. Um, either in the case of, of HIV or, you know, now the, uh, you know, it, it's been on my mind that I wonder if the idea of intentionally giving someone coronavirus or intentionally trying to get, trying to contract coronavirus might become something that people uh, eroticize in the way that um, that bug chasers and gift givers, as they're as they call themselves, um, eroticize um, the uh, transmission of HIV and what that will look like. And it, you know, to me, it's it's a very of all the things that people have ever eroticized, bug chasing is one that is an I like really dark shit, and yeah. um, bug chasing makes me so uncomfortable and is like so disturbing and that makes me want to think about it and talk about it more yeah me too it's it's a very like edge play fetish you know it's a very edge play fetish and and uh bobcat 15 uh here in the comments has said hashtag hard limit and i think that that is a very legitimate hard limit to have and and like also you know just like any fetish or interest that we could possibly talk about Mm -hmm. i think that it's also important to point out that there is a difference between like exploring a a fetish in uh in your fantasy life or even in your like like fantasy life either solo or with others um Mm -hmm. versus like actually wanting to live it out right so like like fantasizing about um uh, like other edge play um like knife play or consensual non-consent um Mm -hmm. is uh is like a whole kettle of fish that is different from actually wanting to like have a full like consensual non-consent scene and so like absolutely fantasizing about um uh you know contracting a virus or uh an infection a disease of any kind like fantasizing about it uh eroticizing that fear getting excited about it masturbating while thinking about it uh you know uh, having like a fantasy scenario role play with someone where that's what you're doing i think is a, a different set of limits than um than the actual practice especially because hiv is specific because bug chasing, I think specifically, is um, particular to a certain political community or a certain community during a certain time in which that community was like extremely marginalized and oppressed. There is like a certain amount of being able to get over or overcome that fear or normalize that fear or process like a traumatic contextual experience like a traumatic experience that isn't just you but is like your community and the world at like it's happening to the world at large in the same way that i imagine like i've heard of other workers like other full service workers like fantasizing about having a scene with um their partner who is like another full service worker and um having one of them like role play the authorities or like the police and being like oh, I'm going to take you to prison and having that be a way for them because it's like 
it represents like the height of fear and height of terror. And there are such high stakes in it, right? And that's and that's something that like can pull you into that role play and pull you into that fantasy in a way that maybe just a general scene with no um, with no heightened stakes or no like external framework would um, be able to do. And then I also think that there was something about the text that you sent and that you also I think have posted on your page now that relating to the idea of the virus being animated but not animated like it's some there's something about it that like feels alive but it's not it's kind of like an an, an, an automaton and like getting like super freudian about it that's like extremely like uncanny for somebody to be like giving that to someone or to be impregnating someone with the virus well and that's a that's a big part of of bug chasing also is the is the idea of breeding if you had a virus any of these viruses that we're talking about you tested positive for that virus and then you transmit the virus uh knowingly to someone else who wants to have the virus who wants Mm -hmm. to contract the virus then yeah there's this sort of fantasy of like you're impregnating them with the virus which it's very it's interesting stuff And I also wonder where, like, the different permutations that can come with power exchange and bug chasing, you know, like, if there is a bug chaser who kind of in the same way that, like, there's, like, a femdom force cream pie type situation where it's like, oh, you have to come inside of me and you don't have any choice in the matter. And it's going to have, like, an impact on your life forever, whether that it, whether there is, like, a, or, like, a corresponding dynamic there in which, like, the person who is chasing the bug is... Is like topping. Well, it's interesting too because like part of what you're getting at is an even like an even darker idea than like okay, it's a it's dark to think about somebody like even the idea of like bug chasing like gives agency to the person who is doing the chasing. They're like, I want this bug. Because (laughs) like also now you know, right? Right. It reminds me of when I was learning to ski when I was a kid, when I would start to accelerate going downhill, I would sometimes just throw myself down in the snow. And like, I remember very distinctly this feeling of, well, at least I'm in control of when I fall. Yeah. And I'm not wondering, I'm not antis- like I can't stand the, the fear or the anticipation of like, when am I gonna fall? Yeah. It's, I'm gonna fall now. And like, whatever happens, happens. I I kind of feel like the idea of intentionally wanting to contract a virus, intentionally wanting to to get sick, although contracting a virus does not necessarily mean that you get sick. You know, especially if you are at high risk of symptoms or fatality, right? Like the idea that you are saying like, I mean, it's really, it's eroticizing death. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what this is really about is death. And obviously also when it comes to disease, diseases are not only about death, they're also about suffering and pain. Mm-hmm. And right, so so there's there's chasers and people who like want to maybe have a sense of control of this is when I'm getting it and then I don't have to worry about when I do. Right. But then the the like forced cream pie thing that you were talking about, going back to sort of comparing it to to breeding play, yeah. is more like I'm forcing you to contract 
this virus whether you want it or not. And that is, if anything, that's darker. Yeah. Or it's I, also dark. It's a different kind of darkness. I, I was wondering if there is a situation in which somebody can say, like, I'm forcing you to infect me. Yeah, well, then, yeah, then you could also... Like, there's a scenario of bug chasing where, and this could, you know, this has historically been something that has been explored in relationship to to HIV, particularly among queer people who have always been at higher risk for HIV, but also thinking about this in relationship to COVID-19 and coronavirus. Like, there's a scenario in which, like, both the giver and the receiver are being like, yeah, like, fuck this, we're going for it, we're doing it. And then Mm -hmm. there's a scenario where one or the other is forcing the other to participate. Absolutely. That's hot. It's dark, man. It's dark, and it's... I, I too, would listen to, like, a whole hour, or a whole, like, several hours of you talking to somebody who has that specific fetish about it. I think that it is so fascinating. Do you think that people will have similar sort of subcultures of getting turned on by contracting coronavirus? It's not an STI in the way that HIV is, but... Mm -hmm we have had such a profound collective experience of distancing ourselves Mm -hmm. in order to not spread this disease that it makes me wonder if the idea of like bridging the social distance, you know, um, like stepping over that six foot hula hoop, like, into someone's space and just saying, like, fuck it, let's lose control and do this is going to be something that we're going to see a lot of. Like, what are the porn scenarios going to be? I mean, that's always oh an interesting God. place to look. That is fascinating. Almost as soon as, like, things started to shut down, there was hazmat suit porn, you know? And that was, like, a trending. And then there was that one clip site that said, like, by the way, if you tag your videos with hashtag coronavirus, hashtag COVID-19, you might be able to hop on a trending hashtag. So we want to help you make money. And I was like, very fascinating that that happened. Like, I'm absolutely positive that that's something that's going to be. Number one, what are the porn scenarios going to look like in the typical way that we conceptualize porn? And number two, how are we going to have to change the way Somebody mentioned hugging to me today, and I was like, can you please put a trigger warning on anything that you say that involves physical contact? Because <laughs> I'm going to start crying. It's going to change. I think it's absolutely going to change the way that the porn industry works as a whole. You know what I mean? Like, individual solo masturbation videos are obviously, like, going to proliferate at a, like, an exponential rate comparatively. We're So, so our hour is going to be up in one minute. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to hop back on or do you just want to say bye? I'd be down to hop back on. So everybody uh, join us again in uh, in just a minute. Round two. Round two. <laughs> if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen Disobedience, but I have watched the spitting in the mouth scene because of course i have yeah people seem to be very confused about why people who are obsessed with each other would want to spit in each other's mouths hello we were talking about spit and we we're talking about gloves and we were talking about uh have you seen the movie disobedience um oh is that the one with rachel weiss yeah and rachel mcadams yeah i saw the first half of it did didn't is the first I haven't seen the movie, but I've watched the sex scenes. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Between the two of us together, I think that we can piece together what happens. <laughs> totally. They like spit in each other's mouths. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens for the entire movie. It's just them swapping spit back and forth, Rachel to Rachel. Back and forth forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I am going to ask you, I'm going to set this fucking timer and ask you, Empress Wu, why are people into spit? Yummy. <laughs> spitting is hot because it is... Spitting into someone's mouth, I think, is such a... In everyday life, it's so disrespectful that it's really hot in bed, you know? Like, there's something about it that indicates, like, a little bit of, like, humiliation. Well, I think in general, fluids are super sexy. That you would subject And, and very taboo. Very. And then, and then especially within the context of everything that's happening, like, the fact that you would forcefully, like, subject someone to being exposed to you in a very, like, medical way is hot. It is, it is hot. We were talking about the idea of bug chasing and the idea um, of intentionally... Yeah, we really scaled up with that one. I know. Bug chasing is like, uh, you know, somebody used the term hard limit. Mm -hmm. It's objectively dark. I think that even people who are all about it would agree. It's very dark. It's about death and disease. It's pushing the limits of what, what can you reasonably consent to? And what does right. it mean to desire? Like, is the desire to contract a virus a death wish? And is that something that we're ethically entitled to desire and pursue consensually. It's yeah. kind of like when you were on the show and we were talking about cannibalism, okay. we were talking about the ethics of, I mean, that is really like the ethics of death, right? Like if somebody, if somebody wants to be cooked and eaten and somebody else wants to, to do that, then are they, you know, what, what, are, what's the, what are the ethics of that? To find out more, listen to Empress Lewis. <laughs> Addition of why are people into that? Why are people into cannibalism? Thanks for plugging that. Oh, yeah. Um, people fucking love that episode, and so do I. So bug chasing is a whole thing, but, like, thinking about coronavirus, which is all we do all day, if you're are managing to get anyway. through part of the day without thinking about it, I am yeah. so happy for you. What, what would it mean to think about the transmission of this virus, which we know... The, the number one way to transmit it is is through like drop like respiratory droplets, which is why mm -hmm. we're all out here wearing our masks, right? And yeah. why we're trying to 
socially distanced as much as possible and why we're staying six feet away from people because it Mm -hmm. is like spit and snot that is most likely to transmit to transmit right Mm -hmm. much more so than i mean obviously spit is a sexual fluid but like um you know whereas like hiv is much more associated with genital mucus exactly genital mucus Mm. glad i have you saying that chef's kiss right (laughs) say it again you need a you need a shirt you need a genital mucus (laughs) genital mucus (laughs) um Fuck yeah. But so because spit is, and the, you know, the droplets, um, and we've seen them in like, the, I'm sure you've seen there are like animations showing how like the spit travels and like, frankly, those are both like terrifying and hot to me. Um, mm-hmm. So like, what would it, what would is a fantasy scene, like let's say that you and I have both just gotten tests, coronavirus tests, which would be amazing because that's something that we're not doing a good job of as a planet (laughs) right now. Um, Let's say you and I both got uh, tests and we both tested negative. And then we were like, cool, now let's have like an extreme fantasy scene where we pretend that you tested positive and I tested negative what kind of scene would you want to play out where you intentionally forced me to contract the virus from you? Well, <laughs> improv! It's improv yeah, time! Uh, it's dumb like, improv um, time! I have a lot of ideas, Tina. <laughs> I feel like there's like a, like a taunting and a teasing. Um, there's absolutely like a forced restraint type situation and then there's like the good old-fashioned like schoolyard bully hawk and a loogie oh yeah yeah then that like visual is so strong and powerful and again i think taps into like a really huge like somatic response of like uh this is this is like a place where i don't have control and where like i'm being forced to um do something that i don't want to do whether that's contracting coronavirus or having my lunch money stolen like spitting in someone's mouth is always so taboo and visceral and this just makes it like it makes it so much it makes it so much more dangerous but kind of like what we were talking about with size play if you Mm -hmm. like restrained me and taunted me and teased me and spit in my mouth hypothetically with like a fantasy (laughs) of uh, with a fantasy that you were that your spit Mm -hmm. had the power to kill or make me very sick that's not something i would be able to perceive with my senses so you would need to right. emphasize it with the scenario or verbally. You would need to like right. tease and taunt me and be like, I'm going to spit in your mouth and like it is going to do all of these horrible things to you. Like my body, my fluid, like as it like secretes, excretes, like projectiles, yeah. projects from me. Penetrates? I don't know. I Yeah, I think that there's something about that that's like, I'm forcefully like there's there's a part of me that is going in inside of you and like it is going to enact a kind of like sadism on you from the inside that my physical like larger appearance cannot yeah I mean basically you're like you're deadly yeah like you're like a you're you're a femme like a you're fatal. a femme fatale like you are yeah. fatal Yes. Like your fl- your fluids that like come from your body have the power to destroy me. Yeah. 
That's hot. You can kind of see why that's hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sweaty in my apartment right now. <laughs> I'm also I'm also definitely thinking about like a gag that holds my mouth open. Mm-hmm. Like one of them spider gags. Um, or one of those like dental retractors. Um, which are not used nearly as often as they should be. I know that's because probably because they're single-use plastics, but but still, I mean, they're super hot. They're very hot. I realized that we did not have this on the original list, but I wanted to ask you about it. Um, why are people into breath play? I think about breath play because you brought up that this is like an extremely like respiratory disease. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. I see yeah. what you did there. You seem like so exhausted by the game that we have set up. And like, I'm a sociopath. I know the games are supposed to be fun. Yes, masks and breath play. That's a really good point, Allison. Okay. Oh, they are so much fun. Why are people into breath play? I mean, it, it really is related to a lot of what we have been talking about. Breath is life. And if you are craving an extreme form of power exchange and control exchange, then giving up the control of your breath to someone or controlling someone's breath is so extreme. You know, breath is also something that is, that is so constant. So if it's, if it's, if it's restricted even a little, you're like so acutely aware of it. Mm -hmm. This is making me want to take a deep breath. Um, Like, you know, breath I feel is, is so, is so connected to, uh, to sexuality, uh, sexuality ex- excites you, and uh, that's a minute. Uh, sexuality, like sexual arousal, changes your relationship to your breath. Mm-hmm. It can create deeper breathing or shortness of breath. You know, and also when your breath is restricted, it makes you really high. Yeah, it does. The experience of being breathless is hot. You know, there's there's different kinds of breath play, and and because breath is so constant and so crucial to survival, the the slightest restriction of breath, whether it's, I mean, I think we've all experienced at this point, like what it how it feels to like walk down the street with a mask over your face and feel like you're trying to be outside and get fresh air, and you're in some ways you're like breath is more restricted when you're trying to get fresh air because you have to wear a mask right now. I know someone who like will wear, they're like those endurance masks that you can wear when you're training to like climb a mountain or run a marathon and they go out in like one of those masks. And so there is like a really intense experience of like kind of like voluntarily semi-asphyxiating while they're out in public and like in a public space and now it's like kind of acceptable for them to do that congratulations to people who have fetishes for all of these things now the last scene that i did professionally and the last scene that i did like in the flesh um before everything shut down was with a play partner who is extremely into breath play and he works in a lab and he He's one of the people with whom I knew that I had some things for breath play before, but like once I started playing with him, it just like heightened that fetish so intensely. He loves bags and because he works in a lab and is a medical researcher, he has access to these like biohazard medical waste bags that I was able to like put on his head and That's so sweet because then it makes like his 
head and his brain and his self into biohazardous medical waste. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely. also like a fun, that's fun humiliation. That's fun objectification. Yeah. It's kind of like, like... And, well, you know, like I'm going to just toss your head out with all of the like organs that nobody needs anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you're dangerous. And, and there was, there was just something about like seeing his head in that biomedical waste bag and like watching him like struggling to breathe that was like sublime like it was such a beautiful sight to behold and to be watching this person like struggle in this way and to see this like see this like almost like comical like the fact that it's like a biomedical like a medical waste bag amidst everything that's happening outside was almost like too on the nose but there was something about it that was like extremely like poetic and it felt like I was the last person who would be carrying out his funeral it felt like a funereal shroud in a way that was like so stunning and beautiful that's really sweet yeah autoerotic asphyxiation can be very dangerous and because people are really turned on by breath play but feel shame about it often do it by themselves so i do want to issue a responsible warning to folks that if they are curious about exploring breath play that it is best to do it with a experienced professional or an experienced play partner or just like have a spotter and just have a spotter yeah yeah and that there's nothing wrong with it and nothing shameful about it and lots of people are into it and putting a plastic bag on your head is is a pretty extreme form of breath play and that there are lots of ways to explore those sensations and the power exchange inherent in it without getting to that extreme place and you might get there eventually but you gotta you gotta learn to walk before you can learn to run exactly very well said thanks i'm personally like not super into breath play i mean i like choking it's it's as much about the like vulnerability of the throat as it is about like the actual experience of like having my breath constricted or constricting someone else's breath. Right. I mean, I also have asthma. So I feel like talking about <laughs> what, what people have reported, someone who I know who, um, who had COVID-19 was talking about the feeling of like somebody standing on their chest. And like, mm-hmm. that does remind me, which is awful. And I'm so glad that my friend is better. And I'm, that's an awful thing for someone to go through in a non-consensual, non-erotic context, obviously. But being trampled and having somebody step on you, not even necessarily like having your like breath restricted, but like when you had, when you do any kind of like compression play, which you can do with bondage Mm. or trampling, there is also a like restriction of breath from that, that just kind of has to do with like being like compressed down and held in place. That's fun. Wouldn't it be nice if we were all experiencing that feeling of someone standing on our chest because like someone sexy is like standing on our chest with like leather boots on yeah. as opposed to a horrible virus <laughs> making us oh. feel that way. <laughs> that reminds me of um Blunt tweeted something that was like if you had, if you had a clone, what would you do to them? Oh yeah. <laughs> and you said like I would make them feel wanted and I'm like, oh Tina this is why the people love you oh you're so sweet you're just thinking about everybody's needs well but it's a clone of me so i'm thinking about my needs yeah that's the fun thing about clones 
It's so funny. I did not see it that way at all. Like, I was just like, it's a clone of me, but it's like, not me. <laughs> this is why this question is so fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you do to your clone? I responded and I said that I would bimbify my clone. I mean, there's so many different things that I like, like so many different like procedures that I'm really curious about and want to know what they would look like on my body. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So it would be like a really fantastic way to have like a testing ground for that. Even like fucking like bangs, like <laughs> I want <laughs> like, what? it's like tits and bangs. Those are the two things that I want to test. Well, someone someone needs to invent cloning and make it commercially yeah. available and affordable so that Wu can see no, no, what she would look like with bangs. This is, this is very important. Or shaved head. I don't know. Well, we could that could be arranged. I That's mean, I true. could if you need to be like held down and have your head shaved. Um, Max has definitely been like, hey, by the way, I we have the technology to do. I'm like, I know. The, t- the technology to shave your head. Yeah. Like, we have a pair of clippers in the house. That's basically all they say. A lot, of, a lot of people are shaving their head during quarantine. Yeah. They really are. And it looks really amazing on them. You would look really amazing with a shaved head. Uh, I know. <laughs> Just a terror. But let's, yeah, let's let's figure out cloning first. Yeah. Yeah, bimbo, bimbo-fying, bimbo-fying? Your clone is, that's really smart. Thanks. Yeah, course, I mean, like... the question of, like, what would you do to your clone is so interesting because it's, like, you're yeah, you're right that the clone isn't you. I mean, there's two scenarios to this question, to be, mm-hmm. like, a sci-fi nerd for a second. There's, like, a clone that is made of, like, if I, if I was, if I had the technology right now to, like, pinprick your finger and then, like, put it in a, a Cronenberg device and then it, like, produces a clone of you mm-hmm. right now and speaking of memory it like has all your yeah. memories it has your personality there's like the question of free will um like yeah. is it is it just like a flesh duplicate of you or is it yeah. like like is it programmed to like is it self-aware is it just the physical form like yeah exactly degree Varying degrees of cloning. So that's one version of a clone, and there's variations within that. And then the other version of a clone would be, like, a uh, your, like, genetic copy, right? So, like, an mm-hmm. orphan black situation where, like, mm. another, like, you're, ex- like, some, someone who looks exactly like you and has your, like, same genetic makeup, but was, like, born at the same time as you and, like, let's say in this scenario is, like, like, was raised separately from you. And then you encounter right. them. So so they're your genetic copy, but they have had an entire life mm-hmm. that gives them a like, different set of memories, a different personality, a different, like, a whole, like, autonomous personhood that is yeah. separate from yours. So those two scenarios, those are two totally distinct scenarios of, like, what would it be like to fuck that person? Absolutely. Or what could we construct? I think you're right in that our, each of our respective cloning situations have different premises like i think that yours is like exact same person same memories like is just like a like a copy and paste version of me and mine is is like body no spirit (laughs) you you want it's kind of like blade runner too like the the androids are like usually thought of as like robots but they're actually Mm -hmm. like made of, of like organic material so yeah, yeah, you just kind of want like a flesh doll that resembles you. 
Would she mm-hmm. act like you? I don't want to assume her gender. I would say she. I would say that she would not act like me. Especially if, you know, you went through a whole yeah. bimbification. Right. Thinking of clones also makes me think of, like, The Prestige, the Christopher Nolan movie. I love The Prestige. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, David Bowie as like, Tesla? Come on. As Tesla? Oh my god. Yeah, that movie's fucked up. <laughs> it is. And thinking about, like, like forcefully killing my clone... Um, just to pull, like, one of the greatest illusion heists of all time. <laughs> but, like, in a kinky way, somehow. <laughs> if you, if you were able to replicate, replicant, if you, if you were able to replicate yourself and, you know, if you had determined that this replicant had no free will or personality or self-awareness, then, like... Yeah, you could also live out, like, all of your murder fantasies. You could spit in its mouth and give it whatever disease you want. take out a chunk of its thigh and see if it's as good as it looks. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have all all sorts of ideas of how to prepare yourself. Yes, I can finally, like, put into action. Oh, yeah, ovipositing. Oh, my God, ovipositors are so hot. Why are people into ovipositors? Because I think that there is there's something really hot about being force bred um, something and then having to lay it in being being forced to breed something and then also there's like the fantasy aspect of their like normally the the entity that is ovipositing is an alien and so there being the fantasy aspect of being bred by an alien and like what that alien could look like and the technology that that alien could have for the purposes of pleasure. And pain. Like, all of that would be very, very hot and sexy. And then being forced to, like, give birth in, like, a Rosemary's Baby-style scenario. This joke about, um, about coffee positing is a great thing it's to come so out good. of this. To come out of this, why are people into that live? And, like, it does, it does, <laughs> it does remind me to sort of, like, see if I can, like, weave together some of the things that we've talked about. If you're, like, putting a virus in someone and we think of that as a a sort of a form of breeding then you are putting a part of your self into them which is then going to like replicate that is pretty hot i guess like infecting someone with the virus that would just make clones of you well i mean that's i'm not a scientist but that's like what Science is. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what viruses do, right? Is Yeah, exactly. And I guess there's also an element of this that is like, of a virus as like an alien life form. Yeah, that's true too. Right? Or like, or like a parasite. And again, I mean, it's important for us in, in how we are actually dealing with this in the, in the real world, in the non-fantasy world, I think to like, not treat to, to not personify the virus, because, like, the virus has no desire. And if we think of it as something that is, like, trying to, like, accomplish a goal or that we're at war with, that we're not mm-hmm. going to, like, get to the right answers. We're totally, like, misdirecting that energy. Exactly. But if we're thinking about it in fantasy terms, then thinking of it as, like, an alien invasion into our bodies and or like something that an alien that has like taken over the planet right now and is like Mm. affecting all of our lives and our bodies and what we can and can't do with them Mm. that's hot that is very sexy and of course just bursting yes (laughs) the alien the the ultimate example of bodies breeding in ways that are totally natural 
to the alien, but totally yeah. horrifying to us. Because that's the thing about there, coronavirus. Like, what it's doing is totally natural to yeah. it. There was something that you said that reminded me of this text that I'm, like, super obsessed with by Mel Chen called um, Toxic Animacies. Mel Chen specifically talks about, like, the incident of Thomas the Tank Engine trains being, like, coated in lead and there being, like, a huge hoopla made about it because it was coated in lead um, and they were coming from China. And so there was, like, this, like, extremely, like, racialized oh, the Chinese are trying to, like, invade the bodies of our, like, young white American boys. What does this sound like? Yeah, exactly. Um, And there also being, like, the misconception that lead is only consumed, or it's only poisonous when you lick it. And so the idea of, like, I don't know, like, a three-year-old boy, like, deep-throating a Thomas the Tank Engine train was, like, extremely terrifying to the suburban white parents who were purchasing them and saw, like, every all of this happening on the news. But Mel Chen brings up like a really, really fascinating point and argument, which is that in the animation of this, this non-living entity, which is lead, which is just like straight up poison and doesn't have its own goals or objectives. Thomas the Tank Engine, also a non-living entity. You're right. <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine um, also doesn't have its own like goals or desires, despite what Thomas the Tank Engine propaganda might try to tell you. <laughs> They pointed out that the idea of liveness is actually something that kind of exists on a spectrum. And they they are somebody who is also like um, chronically ill. And they painted this portrait and this picture, and it's such a beautifully written essay about them like lying down on their couch and feeling like their body is becoming one with the couch on days where they don't feel like they have like a lot of spoons to be able to operate in different scenarios. And so who's to say that like they are more alive or more animated than the couch itself or like the wood that was used to construct the couch, which is made from all these trees and like the leather that coats the couch, which I think is something that is like extremely queer, right? Like there is like a kind of forced animation of materials that feels similar to the way in which we're like animating a virus. Yeah, I mean, this is what the human imagination does. We personify objects like couches or... Is a virus an object? Or plants, which are, like, alive, but not nearly in the same way. I mean, yeah, plant consciousness is, like, so beyond anything that we could ever hope to grasp. Absolutely. Sourdough starters as pets? Oh my god. (laughs) Yes. What is the consciousness of the sourdough starters? Maybe the sourdough starters, maybe this is all a conspiracy so that the sourdough (laughs) is... So like yeast? (laughs) So that yeast can just like take over the world as the master race? I for one welcome our yeasty overlords. Our yeast overlords, yeah. Spread, spread me like butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how the human imagination works. We personify viruses. We personify couches. But then we also like to objectify ourselves and other humans where we're like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. I don't have free will. I don't have a consciousness. I'm the couch. I'm the virus. I'm... Yeah. The plant. 
I'm the bread. I'm the sourdough <laughs> trying to take over and the world. starter. Absolutely. <laughs> yeast infections. It's true. <laughs> yes, the yeast infection. <gasps> Woo. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we close up today? I think that I'm complete. I would like to say that I'm deeply, deeply grateful to be your friend. Well, there are few people that I um, would rather take a topic like a sourdough starter and fold and pinch and, and turn over and massage at intervals throughout the day in order to spread the yeast consciousness <laughs> like butter <laughs> across the planet than yourself thank you so much for joining me today thanks for helping me continue doing why are people into that despite of course not being able to congregate this has been really fun i agree and thanks to everybody who has tuned in woo what do you want people to know about you or things that you're I... doing that are, or what do you want people to know about the world? Like this is your, this is your platform for a sec. Oh my God. That's amazing. Well, you can find me, um, at empresswoo.net. That's where I live in the e-world and you can book me for a phone call or a virtual session. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I like Tina, love hearing the sound of my own voice. And I like hearing people react to that sound. The last thing that I will say is whatever it is that you're going through right now, I'm just saying this because this is what I'm talking to myself. Whatever it is that you're going through right now is totally normal for you to be experiencing in the larger context of a global pandemic. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> or if it's not normal, it's weird and being weird is great. And you're doing yeah. a great job being weird and feeling weird. Absolutely. Ooh, you Absolutely. went all glitchy there for a second. Are you still there? Yes. Ooh, your your like purple glitch persona just showed itself. Yeah. Myself as a glitch artist. Your true your true self. Maybe <laughs> what if your clone was just like a purple glitchy entity? That's what bimboifying looks like for me then. Totally. Give it, give it tits and bangs. Yeah. <laughs> Are you using uh, a ring light? I am using a ring light. I gotta get, I gotta get one of those. It holds up my phone with one of those little like spring clips. See, that's the double thing that I need is both the light and the thing that holds up my phone that while well, it is still charging. Anyway, now we're talking yeah. about scintillating tech. <laughs> tech. Admin I guess things. everybody right now is much more interested in how video chatting works, <laughs> the, the the physical mechanics of, of virtual uh, relationships. But yeah, I feel like I need the status of the like ring light reflected in my glasses in order to be a true creature of the internet. True content creator. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Woo. Well, thank you. And thanks to everybody for joining and participating. I hope you all shave your heads or give yourselves <laughs> bangs. Make yourself a yeast overlord. Yeah. And Eat it. I guess the last thing that I want to say is that I know we've talked a lot about like transgressing or eroticizing or making light of everything that is going on. And I think that levity is important. And I think that leaning into the darkness is really important. Um, but I also just want to say that um, uh, 
you know, everybody doing what they can to keep themselves safe and also do what is right for the greater good is, is very important and that you can get off on this whole situation while also doing the right thing. Absolutely. Okay, that's it. Okay. Good night. I love you, Tina. I love you so much, Wu. I'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.